this was a sensational score for downtown and for all of Indianapolis and really for the entire state. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Jess Chang. And I'm Mike Pesca. We're both not familiar voices on the podcast. I'm a producer here at Planet Money and you're NPR's sports correspondent. Do you want to do the honors? I feel that I'm a familiar voice of the podcast because I'm always screaming at it. Oh, maybe you can't hear me. I get it. <laughs> but I will say that today is Friday, February 3rd. You just heard the president of Indianapolis downtown, Tamara Zahn, or maybe Zan, or maybe Tamara Zan. Anyway, she was talking at the top. That was uh, right after it was announced that Indianapolis would host the Super Bowl. Mike, you're actually talking to me from Indianapolis, home of Super Bowl 46, coming up this Sunday. And that Super Bowl is the topic of really everything going on right here in the state, but also the topic of today's podcast, the economic, let's call it the economic mixed bag that is Super Bowl 46. We're going to dig into the impact that the Super Bowl has on the local economy and really the whole state, to quote Tamara or Tamara or Tamara Zan. But first, the Planet Money Indicator with Jacob Goldstein. Today's Planet Money Indicator, 243,000. The U.S. economy added 243,000 jobs in January. That, of course, is according to the big monthly jobs report that came out this morning. And Jess, if this were like a morning radio show or something, (laughs) I'd be like ringing the bell right now or whatever we do when there is unambiguously good news. This this number, this 243,000 new jobs, this is a great jobs number. It's much more than what everybody was expecting. You see 50,000 new manufacturing jobs. You see unemployment going down. And maybe what's most exciting to me about this number is when you look back at the past few months, you see not only is the economy adding jobs every month, but the number of new jobs that the economy is adding every month is going up. So not only are things getting better, they're getting better faster. This is this is really good. But wait, Jacob, it's really only been accelerating for the last three months, right? So should we be that excited so soon? Okay, that's fair. You know, I have to respect that kind of skepticism. And, you know, while we're on this kind of cautious note, it's really useful to say that in absolute terms, if you just step back a few years here, the jobs picture in America is still really bleak. So the unemployment rate, according to this new jobs report, it's 8.3%. If we go back to the world before the recession, an unemployment rate of 8.3% would have sounded like a disaster. But, you know, today, in this world we live in now, we can look at this same number and say 8.3%. That's the lowest unemployment has been in three years. So, yes, the jobs market is still very bad. It has only been a few months that this improvement has been accelerating. But I have to say, with this jobs report, it really does feel like things are getting better. Thank you, Jacob. Sure. Okay, on to the podcast. It's actually kind of ironic that I'm on the podcast today talking about the Super Bowl. I'm not a huge football fan. In fact, everything I know about football probably comes from the TV show Friday Night Lights. But what got me interested was how much cities are willing to pay for football stadiums. And so, Jess, I do have to break it to you that uh, rugged but lovable Tim Riggins will not be in the Super Bowl. Uh, Matt Saracen will not get tongue-tied around the lovely Julie. And Coach and Mrs. Coach will not face some difficult life lessons (laughs) against the backdrop of Central Texas. But what is going on, and perhaps just as dramatically, is that Indianapolis spent over $700 million on a football stadium. And when I say Indianapolis, I don't mean the Colts themselves. They chipped in a little, but really the people 
people of Indiana are paying almost 90% of the cost of that big stadium where they're going to be playing the game on Sunday. Indianapolis's new stadium, it opened in 2008. Indy also won the bid to host the Super Bowl in 2008. And that's not really a coincidence. There's no question that there is no way in a million years that the NFL would be putting their premier event in Indianapolis in February, if not for the brand new stadium that the Indiana taxpayers put up just a couple years ago. That's Victor Matheson. He's an economics professor at the College of the Holy Cross. He studies public finance and sports economics. The NFL cites these studies that show a huge economic boost from throwing the Super Bowl. And Mike, you and I, we wanted to fact check this. So we called up Vic. Yeah, there used to be a time when the Super Bowls rotated essentially between uh, Pasadena and Miami and New Orleans. Recently, the NFL got into the business of rewarding cities that built new stadiums or significantly improved existing stadiums. And stadiums come with a huge price tag. So one of the incentives is, hey, we'll throw a Super Bowl your way. We're even going to be willing to put it in some unconventional places. It was in Dallas last year because the Cowboys spent a billion dollars, more than a billion on their stadium. And then Indianapolis got it. It's really the smallest city ever to host the Super Bowl. And it seems odd. I mean, they're doing a really nice job on the Super Bowl. They got a nice compact downtown. There's an urban zip line. But to get it, you have to look at how much money was spent. Now, what the NFL always says is that the Super Bowl brings a lot of money. If you host a Super Bowl, the city will make three to five hundred million dollars. So you set that against the $700 million it costs to have the stadium, and it seems really worth it. It's like, wow, that stadium's half paid off with one week. But here's how the NFL counts it, and you really have to check their math. They just add. So they take the number of people in town, the number of days they spend here, the amount of money they spend, and then they give a multiplier. And that's fair to say, oh, if someone spends you know, 100 bucks on dinner, the waitress who gets a tip is going to respend some of the, that money. That's all fair. So that formula, as far as it goes, isn't inaccurate. And you do look around town. I mean, right here in my hotel, it's $529 a night for a room. I got to say, this is the nicest Hampton Inn I've ever stayed in, but it is usually not this expensive. I talked to the clerk here, Shannon Metzger. Here's what she said. So give me an idea. Next week, Saturday, how much is a room a night? Uh, 129 129 yes. And this weekend it's 520 Yes, it is. Have there been any other weekends where you raise your price anywhere near that? No, not anywhere near that, no. So a room costing four times the amount it usually costs, that's the sort of thing the NFL points to and says, see, that's how the Super Bowl generates so much money. But Mike, we, we talked to Vic, the sports economist, and he said not so fast. Every hotel this weekend in Indianapolis is going to be selling for three or four times the regular room rates. But the desk clerks and the room cleaners aren't going to be seeing their wages rise by a factor of three or four. In fact, what's going to happen is these hotels are going to be making huge profits this weekend. But to the extent that they're nationally owned chains, that money doesn't stick in Indianapolis. That goes back to corporate headquarters in New York City. Only a small portion of that money stays within the local economy. And especially when you have a mega event where prices are way higher than usual, more money than average is, is being spent in those hotels and those restaurants, but is then immediately leaving town. It's like the circus coming to town where you have lots of dollars changing hands, but it's really money being sucked out of people's hands and, and, and disappearing rather than money that goes to build the local economy or repay a big stadium subsidy. And that part about 
the money not going into the workers' hands in a very direct sense. When talking with Shan, I found out that was true. And what about you? You getting a bonus for working extra hard? No, I'm not. Do you expect extra tips? Do you expect to walk home this weekend with more in your pocket than you usually have when it's only 40% full? Um, it's, it's possible. Kind of here and there. You get tips here and there. Um, with, uh, you know, big spenders coming in, you might. But the point is, of course, when they sell the Super Bowl to a city, they don't say every person who works in a city is going to benefit evenly. You know, Shanna works for the Hampton Inn here, and it will increase the bottom line of her company. So to that extent, she'd be happy that the Super Bowl's here. Also, in this particular Hampton Inn, they're owned by an Indianapolis-based business. Now, that's different than a lot of the big hotels. You know, it just turns out that this particular hotel I'm staying in does run a little counter to the trend that Vic was talking about. But by and large, yeah, big multinational or corporations that aren't based in the local economy are taking away a lot of the money. And the NFL doesn't account for that. Right. So according to our economist, Vic, that's one way the study cited by the NFL is pretty flawed. It's overcounting. But Vic says there's another thing the NFL study isn't taking into account. The Super Bowl is displacing other economic activity, activity that would have happened if the Super Bowl weren't in town. If any local Indianapolis folks go down to the events related to the Super Bowl, they're spending money at the Super Bowl that otherwise would have been spent elsewhere in the local economy. And so that's just shifting money around. That's not new money coming into the, into the economy. That's just money being spent on football and Super Bowl activities rather than somewhere else. So that's like pretend I live in Indianapolis and I would have gone to uh, what what's like financially comparable to the Super Bowl. You could have gone to a touring uh, Broadway show. You could have gone out to a nice dinner at any of the fine restaurants. There's lots of things that you can do in Indianapolis to spend money. Uh, you could have gone to uh, on a shopping spree at the, at the local Macy's. Uh, it essentially means, though, that money being spent on Super Bowl festivities is money that's not being spent elsewhere. And you'll see that all over the place. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is right next door to the Cleveland Stadium. And obviously on home games for Cleveland, there's, there's no one there. I do love to go visit the art when I'm having a bad day. It, it does cheer me up a lot. That was John Van Osdall. I called him up to test out Vic's theory. He runs an art museum with a kind of strange name. It's called the Idol George Museum. It's about three blocks away from the stadium. And on an average Sunday, it has about 1,000 to 1,500 visitors, but not this Super Bowl Sunday. On game day, we don't expect anybody at all. In fact, we decided to close the museum on Sunday. Our location is a prime parking destination for the Super Bowl, and we know it's just going to be um, terribly crowded. Wait, you guys are normally open on Sundays, but for this particular Sunday, you're like, let's be honest, we're not going to get a lot of people. Let's just close and, and help the rest of the city out with parking. Yeah, I think it, uh, you said it very well. Um, clearly, local folks are not going to come visit the Idle Jorg on <laughs> Super Bowl weekend. They can see us any day of the year. This is Super Bowl weekend. That's their focus. And if they're not interested in the Super Bowl, it's a very congested time to come downtown, and I just don't think they will. Sports fans displace other economic activity that occurs in a city. Again, Vic Matheson, our sports economist. No one in their right mind is 
hosting a convention in Indianapolis during Super Bowl weekend. No one in their right mind is just coming for a nice weekend in the city. And, and even local residents uh, are, unless they're interested in Super Bowl activities, no one's going downtown during Super Bowl weekend simply because it's just too crowded. Actually, that's not true. Madonna said she was going to come here anyway. I am, of course, joking. <laughs> the NFL, they put out numbers that say, like we said before, around $300 million. Some estimates go up to $500 million in activity for this Super Bowl. But let's ask our economist, Vic Matheson, what numbers does he have? We get numbers ranging anywhere from about $30 million to about $100 million. Not something that you'd turn down, but that's a fraction of the amount that the NFL is claiming, and it's certainly way less than, say, a $600 million taxpayer subsidy for a new stadium. And look, you go around here, people are thrilled with how this is going. People are really bursting with pride. And that's a nice feeling, but the people who justify hosting a Super Bowl will say, well, look at the pride this generates. Look at the great PR this will generate for the city of Indianapolis. You know, they hope that everyone comes here, goes home and says, forget that one weekend I spent in Indianapolis. I got to go back. They have the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame there. I got to bring the whole family. Every city says, this is going to be a huge PR boom for our city. Now, What they don't realize is last year at the uh, Dallas-Arlington-Fort Worth Super Bowl, I don't think anyone wanted to come back after that. Not that they didn't come back. It was just not a well-run Super Bowl slash. It was very icy and no one had a good time. A few years ago, Jacksonville hosted the Super Bowl. And I think we all remember we booked our trips to Jacksonville the next week. (laughs) Oh, no, we did it. They ran out of hotel rooms. They had to house the media on a boat. It was kind of a disaster. So if you don't do a good job, it won't work. And for the most part, Indianapolis is a nice town. And if I had to come through, I still certainly would again, but I can't see a lot of people saying I have to go out of my way to come to Indianapolis because the Super Bowl was such a good time. Right, Mike. And and Vic has studied this for a lot of different types of events from the Super Bowl to the Olympics to political conventions to inaugurations. And he says out of all of the years that he's looked at over decades and decades, he's found that there are very few successful events, very few times where a single event catapults a city to become a tourist destination, a place that people love and want to come back to again and again. The the one that he points to that is successful is Barcelona, the 92 Summer Olympics in Barcelona. He says that the 92 Olympics really changed things for Barcelona. It, It put it in the same league as other cities like Rome or Paris or London. But like you said, a lot of other examples show that it didn't do much for a city. Right. I don't know. To speak to the Olympic example, if Lillehammer had that boom, if Nagano (laughs) had that boom, probably a lot of places didn't. And just talking to people, uh, I've covered a few Super Bowls, and how it usually works is the local leader gets a lot of credit for bringing the Super Bowl, and people remember that one weekend, it sticks in their mind. And what they kind of don't account for is the costs. They might be sports fans, you know, they might be huge Colts fans. And when a Hoosier travels around, someone's going to strike up a conversation with him. It will probably be about the Colts. So they have a lot of pride in the Colts. But again, they're not taking into account the costs. We asked Vic to you know, talk about the costs and who should be paying the costs. Certainly no economist would uh, suggest that we shouldn't have stadiums like this. But the real question is, who should pay for that stadium? Is it the people at the stadium who are actually getting all the amenities from a a beautiful new facility? Or should everyone in the community, even if you have no interest in sports and you'll never walk in the stadium, should everyone be putting up some money for that? 
And, and I think most economists uh, kind of subscribe to the idea of user pays. If you're going to benefit from these great facilities, you know, you're really the one who should be paying. And that's why the argument about that whenever they build a new one and ask for tax dollars, that's why they have to trot out that high, unrealistic figure that we talked about. Because, hey, even if you don't like the Indianapolis Colts, look what it's going to do for the city. It sort of rests on that inflated number. Right. So there's no doubt that the NFL dangles these economic impact statements kind of like a carrot uh, in front of uh, otherwise reluctant taxpayers in order to get them to pony up big, big, uh, big, big subsidies. Having heard everything you said, why do you hate football? And the follow-up is, why do you hate America? (laughs) Actually, one of the funny things is uh, sports economists probably more than anyone, tend to be bigger sports fans, not smaller sports fans than others. It's not that we hate sports. It's that we're economists and we're concerned about equity and we're concerned about efficiency. And what most economists see when they look at sports stadium subsidies is money that is not a particularly good use of public funds. And we wonder why it should continue. Just to get a sense of where Indianapolis is now, here are the numbers. Indianapolis borrowed $600 million to build their stadium. They've paid back about $20 million of it already. The way they're doing this is by raising taxes on hotels, on food at restaurants, on drinks at bars, and on car rentals. And the city says it'll take about 30 years to finish paying it off. Yeah, in terms of debt, they had bad timing. They had to refinance uh, in 2008 because uh, debt was getting more expensive. And then the other thing that happened is the costs were higher than they were estimated to be. And very good economists who've studied this say the costs are almost always higher than they are estimated to be. And the one kind of tax that you could raise are the ones you've talked about, taxes on visitors. So there was already a pretty decent car tax and a or a rental car tax and a hotel tax. But now they're very high. So that's a cost that people coming for the Super Bowl might not even realize they're paying. And the other big issue is that Indianapolis still owes $60 million on their old stadium, the RCA Dome, where Peyton Manning first established himself as this great quarterback. You can't go to the RCA Dome anymore. It ain't there. They brought it down. It was the shortest lived dome in North American sports history. They just needed to build this new stadium so quickly to get this Super Bowl. So there is no RCA Dome. But there is a Lucas Oil field. There'll be a good game this Sunday. And I hope everyone enjoys it because it's going to cost you a lot of money. You can send us your questions, comments, or if you get them in before Sunday, your picks for the game. I'll put the spread at the Giants plus two and a half. We're at planetmoney at npr.org. Or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter and Spotify. I'm Jess Jang. And I'm Mike Pesca. Thanks for listening. Hey.